Welcome to Reframing Our Stories, the podcast. This podcast is about provocative conversations with beautiful thinkers about topics that matter and the stories that have helped them reframe their lives. Grab something cozy or put on your walking shoes and let's reframe. Welcome back to Reframing Our Stories. We are so glad that you are with us today. We are just so grateful for all the stories that we have been hearing lately and the conversations that we have been getting into with people and the way that we learn and realize that when we create a space that's nourishing, people open up and people want to talk about the parts of them that are intimate and need to be known. And that is why we still think that being able to talk about sexual health and sexuality is so important to our world and to ourselves, because there's just so many myths out there and uh, unrealistic expectations that we all try to live into. I have told people the reason why I got into this work is so that people don't need to hurt anymore. Today, we're going to hear a story uh, about a woman who has reframed her life. And there's a trigger warning because we also will be talking about abuse. And so if you're not ready to hear a story around abuse, then I'm going to encourage you to listen to a different podcast today of Reframing Your Stories. We just ask you to continue to listen with an open heart and mind. We know that some of our topics are hard to hear, but it's a chance for us to learn together. So if you like our podcast, please subscribe and share and rate us and tell others. And we are excited to have you back. And with that, let's start our show. Charisse is a storytelling strategist and healing advocate who helps women remember what they are capable of by reminding them of what they have already done. Charisse also works with abuse survivors by helping them reclaim their voices so that they are impossible to ignore. She's the owner of Witness My Life and author of Becoming the Greatest Story Ever Told, Making a Memoir, a storytelling journal that provides a simple DIY-style memoir process to help readers get their story out of their heads and into the world where it can make a difference. As a former prisoner's wife and survivor of narcissistic abuse, Charisse uses her hard-fought lessons to help others be seen and heard through journeying through their life experiences, all while turning the worst days of their lives into the best days of their lives. Charisse is an advocate for social change and believes story is the one thing that truly brings the world together. As a TEDx speaker and coach, she helps aspiring speakers craft signature messages that impact the world. Her TEDx the Secret to Healing the World, was awarded a Cesario Speechwriting Award. Sharice, it is so lovely to have you on our show today to talk to us about your story. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. That was the most relaxing intro ever. <laughs> very, very I have, nice. Well, thank you. I've had people tell me that I could be maybe the next Delilah because of okay. my voice. <laughs> I will, if you ever want me to read for you, I will always do that. <laughs> introduce you. <laughs> well, I love uh, your, obviously your emphasis around storytelling, because I also believe that it's through stories where we learn about people, where we can, you know, I feel like oftentimes we look for the differences Mm -hmm. um, and how we're not the same, but I feel mm -hmm. like when we tell the stories, we see the connections of how we are the same. Exactly. So tell us about how you have come onto this path to help people tell their stories. And then how have you reframed your story? Well, I think like with anyone else who um, is doing something that's purpose-driven, we have a life experience that puts us on that path. And within that experience and within that lesson, we decide if we're you know, going to use it for a greater good, if we feel like that that's 
what our life is, you know, leading us to. You know, I had many experiences in my life where I have, you know, been abused or just kind of felt invisible. And I've often worked with survivors. I did several years as a director of marketing in a domestic violence agency. Mm. And even with knowing the signs to look for in abuse and knowing, you know, the background and the statistics and all of that, I still found myself in a situation where I needed to learn um, how to navigate that process and how to come out on the other side of it. And so reframing for me when I teach people about telling their stories through the healing process, reframing for me came at a point where I just got sick and tired of hearing my own story. Mm. And when I got tired of hearing it, tired of telling it, tired of thinking about it, that's when I realized that that's where the healing was actually going to start because I was switching from um, being a victim to really being into becoming a survivor. Interesting. Can you unpack that more for us? Because I, I, I don't think I've ever have heard that before of when I got sick and tired of telling my story and mm-hmm. hearing it again, that's mm-hmm. where the healing began. So yeah. can you unpack that more? Because that's really fascinating to me. Yeah. So when we have gone through any kind of traumatic experience, um, in, in this case, abuse, we tell the story <clears throat> and we tell the story from the victim mentality. And it's okay. I know people sometimes hate that word, but it's okay. There are things that are hap- that happen to us that are outside of our control, mm-hmm. which we do become a victim in the circumstance. And so when you're telling the story from that point of view, something has just happened to you. That's the only thing you're looking for is to be validated. It's yeah. probably the first time that you have even been seen or been heard and you want everyone you want to tell everybody so that they can tell you that it's okay so that they can put their arms around you and in that space you have created you know you're the victim and whatever whomever else becomes the villain and so the more that you keep telling the story from that context the more people will put their arms around you the more that you will feel good but it's in that space that actually keeps you stuck because Mm -hmm. in that space, you are not ready to ascend to the next level, which is where the awareness actually happens. And I am not suggesting that anyone that has ever been a victim, that they were um, complicit in being a victim. What I am gonna say is that some situations that we come upon, mine, using myself as an example, I knew that I was in an abusive relationship before I decided to go down that road. And so the awareness piece now allows me to take responsibility for the role that I played in my own suffering. And so I couldn't get to that part if I was going to set continuously be in the victim villain dynamic. And so then when I just got sick and tired of hearing the story for myself, I'm like, okay, it's time. Now, how do I get past it? So it almost feels to me like it's, you got to this point of owning a story. Mm-hmm. Like before it was like, let me tell you what has been happening. Yes. And it sounds to me like you've owned it now mm-hmm. and you almost can recite it, right? When you think of storytelling and you're like, yeah. I can recite this. Mm-hmm. And so now it feels to me like you're like, and now I'm going to edit this story. Exactly. I'm going exactly. to rewrite my story. Yes, because you want you want everyone to kind of you want everyone to hate that person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the angle that you're coming that you're coming from, but you're also sharing from the wound. And so when you stop, you know, sharing from that place, then you can graduate and grow into the place where you're sharing from the scar versus sharing from the wound. Oh, that's so fascinating. So then once you were able to do that and you started to essentially edit that story for yourself, Mm -hmm. how has this then changed your path? Wow. It has completely changed my path. It opened up the um, portal for me to forgive. And Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those people that believe that um, we have to offer forgiveness to people. I mean, if that's 
the path that a person wants to take, I think you can heal from that. And if you decide that you don't want to, I think you can also heal from that. It's, it's an individualized process. But for me, it did open up the portal for me to be able to heal, for me to stop, to take a couple steps back, well, a lot of steps back, and not take that person's behavior personally, even though it, it was personal, to understand that this was a pattern and that in order for the pattern to be broken, I needed to do something different. And so once I you know, could look at it from a different point of view, I could see where there were moments of how I participated in what ultimately ended up facilitating me like packing up my whole life and moving to another state Wow! <laughs> um, <laughs> um, to kind of reinvent myself and to learn myself. But it did take me having to stop and say, yo, I, if I want a different world for myself, I have to stop with this story. So first of all, I also think we have to acknowledge the courage that that takes too. I think it takes bravery and just an, a tremendous amount of courage. And I'm also wondering if we're on the story thing, I'm going to stay with the story theme because it's, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> so I, of, I often um, do healing writing techniques for people. Mm -hmm. And one of the things when I was learning how to do this, right, is a woman said the magic happens in the revision, right? Mm -hmm. We have our first draft or whatever, just mm -hmm. write to write the magic happens in the revision. And knowing too that in this life, we also have as writers and we have ed editors and things like that, were there people in the, in your life who served as like your editors to help you move forward in this reframing of your story? Absolutely. Um, I have two of the greatest friends ever. Ironically, um, we met at that, that domestic violence agency that I talked about. Um, so we kind of bonded over this, this, this shared purpose and, and wanting to create a safe world. Um, mm -hmm. But they became my best friends and they became um, my confidants and they became um, my support system. And um, one of them, both of them is really interesting. One of them is um, a domestic violence educator. She's phenomenal at that work. And the other one, does therapy. So I was like, oh, what, wow. best, what are the best friends to, to have in this um, situation? But they, they held my feet to the fire. They, they were there when I, when I was in victim mode and they did, you know, a good amount of putting their arms around me, but they were also there to say, Hey, you know, it's time to, time to come out. It's time to, to look at this differently. It's time to think about it differently. And, you know, and, and there were boundaries in place. Like I could not just call them at any moment and just start loading on them. Um, mm. it, it forced me to really have to learn how to soothe myself and to learn how to grow up. And I really, um, one of them really put my whole life in context or put, put it in context for me because it, it felt like the worst pain that I had ever gone through in my life. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been through breakups before. Like, what is going on here? And she's like, you're not processing a breakup. You're processing 49 years of trauma. And it oh, was wow. like, oh, mm -hmm. that part. Um, and so it, that piece of what she said in that moment really allowed me to feel it to let it be as awful as it was, to let it hurt as bad as it was hurting, um, because it wasn't about that breakup. It was about all the things. Mm -hmm. And that was the start of me kind of coming out of the fog, so to speak. I feel like that, first of all, I mean, how insightful, right? <laughs> but I think too, like so many of us, we don't recognize, I think, the fact that we, we bring all of our things into our relationships and we find mm -hmm. ourselves in relationships. I think also that teach us these lessons. And if we also have trauma from mm -hmm. our past or just unmet needs and different things, like they show up in these spaces. Mm -hmm. And so when we, when we start recognizing how I think we participate, like you said, and the things that we are bringing into to our relationships are like, oh, 
I think, yeah. I mean, and that's the hard work, right? That's the hard mm -hmm. stuff when we're like, oh man. And then it's also, I think, a place where we can meet ourselves with just such deep compassion, mm -hmm. you know, because it's Absolutely. like, okay, I see you. It's like us seeing ourselves, right? I think for the first time, really, and learning how to care for ourselves. Yeah. So what do you tell Then How do you help others in that position who, because it feels to me like that would, it's like scary. It would be scary. So mm -hmm. some of the things that, that you have done to help people in that journey. Yeah, it's, it's really, this is why I, I focus on story so much. Um, and I didn't realize, um, you mentioned in the intro, the um, storytelling journal that I did. I did that journal like right before this, you know, my life kind of blew up and I did it for the world but it ended up being a tool that I used um, to help me. And it, it really is just a book of questions. That's all it is. But what it does is that it puts you in front of you. Like mm -hmm. it shows you um, what you have gone through, what you have broke through, what you have triumphed over. It shows you every single one of us, every one person that is listening, we have survived lots and lots of things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and when we're going through that one thing it feels like it is it's just never going to end but the storm always passes and so it's um I focus on people's stories I always want to make sure that we talk about you've already done the work <laughs> yeah, you know in another sure. area of your life like you've already you've already done the work and the stories of us because it really is this, um, this idea that every experience that we have gone through, it's life training. It is, I, there's this thing that um, you will hear people say all the time about how when you don't get the lesson, like when you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, it's like you're not getting the lesson. Mm -hmm. And though I, I do to a degree sort of agree with that, but the way that I frame that is that that is me becoming an expert. That is where you, your experiences uh -huh. make you an expert in what you have gone through. And so, um, so it's all, it's always comes back to the story. Everything um, that I teach and that I work with, it's always the story. Who are you? And who are you deeply to the core? Because that's the person that shows up every day, even mm -hmm. with all of the stuff, <laughs> mm -hmm. like even, you know, with all of the things that we put on and the clothing and, but that person to the core is the person who's actually showing up and going through the world. Who is that person? And when you know who that person truly, truly is, then you can really like ward off some of the things that we go through. Yeah. So how do people respond to that? Because I would also think, I mean, we're always trying to find out and think about like, who are we? Who am I mm -hmm. really? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, without the scripts that we've been given of telling mm -hmm. us who we have to be. Mm -hmm. so when you're giving them that freedom of having them be able to ask those specific questions for themselves, mm -hmm. what, what do you see happening? I see a lot of fear um, because we are a people that love to stay in our heads. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? <laughs> Oh goodness, we love to stay in our heads. That soft, mushy, vulnerable, authentic part. Just we have protected that thing with all the stuff. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> oh yes. It's um people are very resistant to it um initially. But um when they realize, you know, that they're in a safe space, um, and you just talk to them and let them know that. You see them, I think, you know, one of the gifts that I feel like I was given is that I'm very much able to, um, to read people. I, mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time silent than I am speaking. And I'm very much able to hear the things that people are not really saying. And so you can give me the headspace, but I can still take you down into the heart space. Um, and so people are reluctant, but once they get to that core of really truly who they are, um, a lot of them for the first time, and I know it happened to me, it's the first time that you're really meeting yourself. It's yeah. the first time that you are allowing yourself 
to be yourself because this idea of authenticity is really hard for us because the world that we live in is not authentic. (laughs) It's like rejects it. (laughs) Yes, it does. And we spend a lot of times, especially as women auditioning for people, we, we spend a lot of time just trying to prove ourselves. And it is really hard to just be who you are. And it's, it's so much harder when you don't even know who that person is. Okay. I just want to acknowledge that you just said that we spend our time auditioning. I mean, that yep. to me, I threw my <laughs> head back, people. I threw my head back. Uh, you know, here's what I feel like I've been learning as a woman is like, I am so damn tired. Right. Just, right. It's exhausting being a woman. And I'm yeah. sure it's exhausting being another, like all people. Yeah. But especially when it comes to the fact that we're, you know, if we are anywhere outside of a small little square that we have built for people to be a part Mm -hmm. of, it is exhausting to live in this world because it's, you're, I mean, that fact that you just said auditioning. And when you think about being in that space Mm -hmm. and the amount like auditioning also means most likely rejection. And so Mm -hmm. the amount of rejection that of ourselves that we feel daily is so hard. Yes. We all need naps. (laughs) (laughs) We definitely do. It's, 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 you know, but women, we have been managed since the beginning of time. And so it just takes, it takes a while to unravel the effects of that, that management. Um, and when you just, you know, spoke about glass, I, you know, I know that people often talk about this glass or the box you just talked about this. Mm-hmm. We talk about this glass ceiling all the time. And I like to call it a glass confinement because it's not necessarily what's above us. It's the box mm-hmm. that we put ourselves in. And so it's, it's, I like to say that um, when you don't know who you are, you're living life like a mannequin behind glass with that memo in case of emergency break glass. And your story is the only thing that actually breaks that glass open is knowing who you are. Dude, (laughs) (laughs) that was great. You're a mannequin living behind glass break in an emergency. Yes, yes. (laughs) My world is opening up. Yes, that is like the truth. I can't even handle when I teach kids, um, sexual health Mm -hmm. uh, and puberty class. I, Mm -hmm. one of the first things we talk about as I bring in a small little box and I'm like, Mm -hmm. our first activity is you're all going to try to stand in the box. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, just come on in, just come on in. It's easy. This box. They're like, we can't. And I was like, Oh, okay. So Mm -hmm. let the reminder right now, this is the box of normal. Mm-hmm. I'll try to put people in of what that means. Yeah. And it's like normal exists on many different planes and it's really wide. And so I'm like, let's smash this box. Mm-hmm. Don't even try to get in. Yes. Yes. You know, I love that. Just be your, I mean, like, this is when we get to learn more of who we are. This is the time. Like, mm-hmm. this is the time this where we get time. to start that process. Yeah. One of the things for me, like, as a sex educator, I always say that the people's questions around sex really is, am I enough? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with your project that you have talked about, um, one of the things you've done is I was reading that one of your projects, you have this quotation that says, see me because I matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if this is what we really want, everyone wants to know, am I enough? See me because I matter. Why do you think that we're not doing this for one another? Um, So many reasons. One, because it does require that we are are, are authentic, um, vulnerable selves. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a measure of pain that is associated with it. The fear of rejection. If I show you truly who I really am, Mm -hmm. will I be okay, will you like me? Will you accept me? And the reality is that nobody else gets to make the decision about rejecting you because you, that's not a permission that you should give to anyone. 
if mm-hmm. you accept you, then that's all that matters. And I think for a lot of people accepting truly who we are, we don't, we don't accept ourselves. And so we're looking for people to, you know, give us that gold star, you know, tell us that we're okay. But when we've accepted ourselves, no one else can, no one else has that power. Mm. Um, And so I think that is what is really hard because as we've talked about in the beginning about sharing our stories and healing the world, um, we are very much defensive because it is, we feel like it's attacking who we are. Um, and so in order to get to this place where everyone can come together and we can truly bond over what makes us unique in this human experience, because humaning is hard for everybody. Um, some of us have different issues um, and different conditions, but it, it's a human, it's, it's being hard. It's a hard, it's a hard life for mm-hmm. everybody, yeah. <laughs> even when it doesn't appear that way. But um, just chipping away at the core of who you are. And I think as humans, we just haven't taken the time to really be grounded enough in ourselves and mm-hmm. be grounded enough to accept ourselves. Because when we have true acceptance, nobody else can take that from us. How would you suggest, because I always think about how we can start these practices when we, like with the young people, right? So that mm-hmm. they don't have the, as you know, we always want to make it better, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you have any kind of suggestions then of how we can start this process of helping our children learn how to be grounded Mm -hmm. from like the beginning? Like what what are some of the things that we can do to start this process early on? Yeah, I think that it's allowing kids to be, allowing them to be, I mean, we have the ability as parents and as their educators, we, we shape their lives. It's, it's just, it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all come, I believe, we come into this world who we are. We come mm-hmm. with that innocence. We come, you know, learning and not knowing those things. And then it's the adults. If you take the kids as the absolute innocent in this thing, it's the adults with our sense of not knowing who we are our reason for whatever reason we had kids, our dreams that we did not pursue, our lost you know, dreams or lack of expectations. And, and we put all of these limitations on this light and on this being that has just come into the world. And now we have shaped them into mm-hmm. something different. Mm-hmm. And so at some point, we probably all can remember, you know, in our childhood, the, the person or the experience that we know changed us from five, six, seven, eight, nine years old. We mm-hmm. know exactly what that is. Um, and so we're out here just, you know, you're saying the thing, you're doing the thing, and you have just created now that being and that child is now that person for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. You're growing up and healing around it, but they're that person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> so I mean I've been you know a lot of this again like for me too like when I work with parents I always tell them I'm like if you want to help change the way you know our sexuality or our narrative around that has changed then I mean the work starts with you Mm -hmm. I mean you have to look at your own stuff and you have to do the work and it's not always easy it's not Mm -hmm. easy work Mm -hmm. and a lot of that you know you have talked too about um you have noted that in, that what impacts our stories are our internal narratives and our cultural programming. Mm-hmm. How do you help people recognize their internal narratives and the cultural p- programming affect their story? And then mm-hmm. how do you help use those to help them uh, change their story? Because mm-hmm. I think so many of us too, like in the fact that we have to recognize that we have to do the work ourselves, um, it's facing some of those truths and then also finding ways to change those. Right. Right. So what, what are some of the things you do with that? So it's, it's really interesting because I love the work that I do, but I, I also, you know, tell people, and I'm going to give this disclaimer. I am not a therapist. I do not play one on TV. 
<laughs> I do work with people and they tell me some really heavy, heavy things that I need to have needed to get therapy for and training for how to not absorb their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I work with people, we have that understanding that I am not your healer <laughs> in no kind right. of way. Right. But what I can do is help bring awareness to um, some patterns that you might not be aware of. And so a lot of that is just starting with walking through their life experiences. And when we're doing that, we're not necessarily looking for anything. It's just, you know, I I like to call them the defining moments initially. Like, Mm -hmm. let's talk about defining moments in your life. Let's talk about those things that when you hear me say defining moments are the things that start popping up. Like Mm -hmm. that you can say, oh, this and this and this and this. And so we just walk through their life. You know, we're like walking through it from like birth to 10 and 10 to 20 and all of that. Noting these things that are happening that have happened. And then I always ask people to take that experience and assign an emotion to it um, for a couple of reasons. One, because a lot of people that I work with go on to write books and speak and all of that. And so Mm -hmm. if you have experiences and you have an emotion assigned to it, if someone needs you to speak on, you know, overcoming adversity, you can flip through your life and be like, oh, these stories work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, But at the same time, um, giving an emotion to it um, also helps you somewhat understand sometimes when you are triggered in life that has nothing to do with what is going on, you're able to look back and say, oh, this is how I felt. And then sometimes you can look at your life and say, okay, this is really the, the issue that I'm responding to. It's mm-hmm. not that you said that rude thing to me. I'm actually responding to this volleyball teacher who was rude to me mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like that. Again, not a therapist and do not play one on TV. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. Just, right? <laughs> yeah, just to be clear. But it's just helping people kind of see, um, you know, where, where some things are a little bit touchy. I do recommend that people, um, therapy is not for everyone, but I do recommend that people find something mm-hmm. to something or someone to help them unlock um, situations that might be stuck in their body so that they can move on because some people are stuck in a perpetual pattern and it's the same thing over and over like you know that ground groundhog day groundhog day I think they call it Mm -hmm. um so yeah and so yeah it's just walking it's still walking through your story it's walking through your life and now that you have it in front of you what are you going to do about it because as Mel Robbins says no one's coming to save you especially Mm. not me because I'm not a therapist (laughs) yeah Yeah. Well, and I think too, like with, I, I also try to encourage people to like get things out of their body. Right. Cause we're learning Mm -hmm. like with trauma, Mm -hmm. it happens in our right side of our brain and our left side of our brain kind of turns off. Um, and so our body has to learn how to work through it. And I think too, that when I tell people I'm like a dancer, so I always try to do movement with things. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, even the essence of writing is movement. Exactly. It's yeah. like moving the pen to paper and all that stuff and your hand mm-hmm. and everything. And I think sometimes when you give people that freedom mm-hmm. of just writing and getting something out of their body, it takes a new form. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then they're yeah. able to see it in a different light uh, and new things can come up for them for that, which I think is mm-hmm. pretty great. Um, so what are, with you, you're a business owner and coach and author. Mm -hmm. So when you have, I'm sure spending all this time with people in their own process, a lot of lessons maybe have come up or just like (laughs) the transformativeness. I don't know if that's a word, but we're using it. Um, (laughs) seeing people being transformed, like what are some of the things that you have learned in this process of process of helping others mm-hmm. edit their story, what are some of the things that you have learned from that around people? I have learned um, what we talked about in the beginning that we're so much more alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. Um, that there is a lot of pain in the world and that we have, you know, humans can be awful to each other. Um, I've learned that at the core, 
most people are good and just want to want to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there is no, um, none of us are like unicorns where, you know, we're like do-gooders all the time. I mean, we have shadow sides um, and, and it, it is what it is, right? Um, and so I've learned one of the things that I have truly, truly learned that I think definitely feeds into this idea of, of why humans just kind of are so hard on ourselves. We don't know how to forgive ourselves. I think that, oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. We don't know how to forgive ourselves. We don't mm-hmm. know how to love ourselves. We don't understand this concept of self-care, self-love. We don't know what the heck that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But when we talk about forgiveness, we will hold ourselves accountable for something that we did when we were seven years old and we're now like 52 and we're still holding on to it like we should have known better. And the more that we have kept like records of the things that we didn't do well, it just keeps that authentic person down. Those are the layers, right? Mm-hmm. And, and because we don't know how to forgive ourselves and we don't practice forgiving ourselves, it is what keeps us from really being able to love from our truest place. Um, mm, I love, to love anyone from our truest place. Yeah. I think that's really... Yes. <laughs> I, just want to say, like, <laughs> I can't even put it into words because I recognize with my, I mean, that's it. Like with myself, mm-hmm. things that I've done that I, where I've caused harm, mm-hmm. I, I really, I'm, I mean, that's what I struggle with the most is forgiving mm-hmm. myself. Like you knew mm-hmm. better. This wasn't in your value system, you know, or things like this. Right. And it really, I mean, it hurts. And I think that's where we also develop that guilt and shame that Uh we carry with us. Uh Um, And I also think we punish ourselves. Uh And I think that is that space then where we, we inhibit our ourselves, like you said, to really grow and to experience deep Uh intimacy and love. I mean, that, I mean, what you said around that, I was like, yes, that is 100%. (laughs) You know, and I even see it with my kids when I see where they have heart, when they have hurt each other, Mm -hmm. um, there's a difference that happens when they actually have been hurt. Like they've been hurt and you can see, you see their face like, oh, why did you do that to me? Mm -hmm. But I see a difference when they have hurt the other person and the person has told them like, and has shown them that hurt. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's an essence of them that it goes almost deeper down mm-hmm. into like the pit of their stomach, you know? Yeah. Um, and they have a harder time coming out of it mm-hmm. in comparison yeah. of them being hurt, which mm-hmm. I find to be fascinating, right? That's really yeah. interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. We spoke about this a little bit before about needing to be seen and whether we are enough. And you, you talked about that a bit in your TED talk that you Mm -hmm. did Mm -hmm. and that this is that being seen is the key to finding the middle ground of where we come together. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel being seen or witnessed can do this? And how do you, you know, as a coach, how do you encourage people that's just as you want to be seen? How can you help see others? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and so then what do you do to help them within that storytelling process to be able to feel seen while also offering that gift mm-hmm. of seeing others? Yeah, I, I absolutely love this question um, because I really do believe that's the key to everything. So for those who um, have not heard my, my TEDx, my TEDx, The Secret to Heal in the World, I tell the story of how as a black woman, I lived across from a white neighbor who was flying a Confederate flag. Um, He approached me one day when I came home from work and told me that he was going to put this flag up. Um, I didn't really have an emotional response at the time. Um, Just went in the house and just kind of was like, really? Because as soon as I came in the house, he was already, you know, rolling it up. up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
And so um, I, I went through a process of just kind of like, are you serious? Like, this is the thing across from my house, like every day for real. Mm -hmm. um, but in the midst of that, um, I've always been the girl who, you know, as I like to say, the kumbaya girl, because I really do believe in harmony. He had a right to put it up. It was his property. Mm -hmm. I also had my house. I had a right to not see it, but who was right? in the situation, like mm. where was going to be um, the common ground here? And then um, one day he approached me again, coming home from work. He asked me if I ate eggs and he gave me a carton of eggs from his hens that, were in, that he had extra. And it opened the dialogue for us to start having a conversation. And we talked, we had a, some really hard conversations about all the things. Trump was president at the time. So we talked about Trump and Obama and slavery and all the things. Um, and I realized we weren't ever going to agree. We weren't ever going to vote the same. We weren't ever going to have the same, you know, thought process. But what we did agree on was that we wanted to live in peace. We wanted to be de decent neighbors. We cared about our community. And for what it was worth, we respected each other's point of view. Now, we don't have to agree to, re to respect each other. And that's what I think gets lost in this world. We don't have to agree. I don't have to understand you, all that. But I do have to respect the fact that you have life in your body and you need to respect the fact that I have life in mine. And so when we talk about witnessing each other, it's starting at the most basic level, which is respect. Mm. That's it. Can mm -hmm. we start with respect? And if you start with respect, usually you can build this bridge to safety where I may come a couple steps forward, you may come a couple steps forward, but the goal here is to get to a point where we actually really, really truly say that you saw this person. I could see my neighbor for who he was. I, don't, I can't say from his point of view because you know, I could see him for who he was. He was a man who grew up how he grew up, very different from how I grew up, but he deserved to be respected for who he was as a human life. And so did mm. I. Yeah. And so in my world, if you cannot do the most basic thing, as I say in that TEDx, a life that is not seen is a life that is not valued. Yes. And if you can't mm -hmm. do that, then this is where we end up with all the other things. And so that defensiveness comes when we, we're pulling each other apart because you, we think that we're attacking each other's core being when all we really are doing is trying to get to respect. And um, I believe that story is the one thing that kind of you're able to do it. You're able to see each other in a non-blaming way. Like mm -hmm. you can, he could tell me his stories and, you know, try to convince me that, you know, slaves fought for the Confederate. I mean, that's your story. I will. I, okay. I don't agree, but <laughs> <laughs> that's your story. Okay. But I will also say this person was also very funny and he knew all the gossip in the neighborhood. And it was, you know, it was, it just, the world told us that we should have hated each other, but we did not. Um, and so that is the type of energy that I try to bring to my life, to my world, to my clients, to my business. Um, and it just, it just kind of works. And I usually only work with people who get it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel like that brings up, there's this book called, um, called Dignity. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's the title. And mm -hmm. I just feel like that is when I read it, it's this woman who goes and is um, like a mediator mm -hmm. and helps people in conflict, like learn mm -hmm. how to get along. And I feel like that's the essence, right? Of everything you're saying, like if we can recognize mm -hmm. that a person, because they're a person, because <laughs> they have a human, because their human life has a sense mm -hmm. of dignity. I don't know. I just, I yeah. was resonating with what you're saying. But then it brought up this question for me too. I'm curious if you would be willing to answer this. Then um, what is your idea and perspective then about what has been happening lately, these last years around cancel culture? Yeah. 
Oh, oh gosh. Okay. If I'm so... able to ask that. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I know it's getting into like a sticky area, but it's just, <laughs> I have different thoughts on it. And mm -hmm. from what you were just saying around the ability to find the respect, even mm -hmm. though you don't have to agree. Right. So I'm curious right. where your thoughts are around them. Um, to some degree, I mm -hmm. feel like, um, cancel culture is manufactured to some degree. Mm. And the reason that I say that, because I'll, I'll answer this in twofold. Um, if we know that people have strong views about whatever it is, yeah. um, whatever it is, and someone puts a microphone in front of them or, you know, ask them a question on camera or whatever the case is, that is directly opposed to what this person believes why are they supposed to say something different? Because mm. there's a microphone or a camera, right? right? And, then, and then we're shocked, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, they kind of, we kind of knew that this is what they were going to say. Right. So in right. that case, sometimes I do feel like we, we manufacture crises to, to, you know, to have this yeah, sure. moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. But cancel culture overall, I believe that if a person says or does something that causes harm to another group of people, whether it was inadvertently or not, and the group of people say that it's not okay, then I think that an apology would be in order. Now, not every apology is, you know, has to be a heartfelt, you know, we calling up the angels kind of apology because sometimes people offend get are offensive without intending to be. Right. Um, and then I'm like, okay, some sort of, you know, reconciliation needs to happen. Now, this is where you start to kind of get into that area of people knowing themselves because there's certain issues that are just going to be touchy, 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 no matter what happens, it's going to be what it is and understanding where you might be a little sensitive. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, right. It on. But cancel culture overall, I would say that I truly believe that when people have attempted to make amends for something, that again, just on this life role of being human, that we do not get to cancel people. We do not get to destroy people's livelihoods. Now, this is not to say let me make this caveat <laughs> that if we know people who are out here taking advantage of people, all of the, you know, if we know that there are people out here doing bad things to people consistently over and over and over, that is not at all what I'm talking about. Cause some right. people do need to be canceled. Yeah. I am I'm talking about where people have inadvertently um, or stupidly made a mistake out of mm -hmm. character or whatever we we love a good redemption story give let that person reconcile sit them down for five minutes time out whatever the case is let us get back to life yeah yeah okay yeah I feel similarly <laughs> because you know there's a part of me like when I was when that was all happening and and you also see it a lot too happening with youth right and mm -hmm. and with on social media and different things like this where we mm -hmm. instantly are like oh you said something wrong you're done Mm -hmm. And there's a part of me that's, that always thought about, okay, well, we're also then not allowing, there's sometimes where the, the pain is real. And like you mm -hmm. said, you need to apologize and recognize mm -hmm. where the pain is. Mm -hmm. But we also, I also feel like, but when we shut it down so much, there's no room for growth. Right. And there's mm -hmm. no room for the essence of we are human. And, mm -hmm. and like you said, we're very capable of harming. Mm -hmm. um, and making the mistakes out of um, mm -hmm. whatever the reason, mm -hmm. um, but being able to offer that that room of acknowledgement, of accountability, of growth and learning. And then I talk to kids like with relationships, I'm like, what you need to do is look for patterns. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. If a person is, their pattern is not learning. <laughs> right, exactly. Continuously harming in mm -hmm. a certain way. And that's what we have to pay attention to, to say like, right. right? So thank you for answering that. Cause I was just curious <laughs> with like, because it's true, right? Like, I feel like again, within storytelling, these are the, the spaces where we're able to 
to hear a different perspective from ours and to mm-hmm. come with an with an open heart and mind and knowing that and also being able to hold space for my feelings might be hurt mm-hmm. right because a person is telling a truth that's not yours right and we right. kind of feel hurt in that moment mm-hmm. so how can we have that space to be able to to hear and receive their story but still mm-hmm. honoring our story Mm-hmm. You know. yeah. yeah yeah I I work with people um when I do um storytelling classes around bridging our differences or bridging the gap um mm-hmm. and we're using storytelling and and the gap that I often talk about is is three things even if you're trying to have a difficult conversation and you're just trying to come together that you have to whenever you need to come closer to someone or you're trying to understand them you have to give up your agenda you have to give up the agenda to you know be right you have to give up the agenda that it's always been this way you have to give up the expectation you have to give it up because again humans are doing what humans do we're having very human experiences (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you you have to give it up. And for some of us, you know, what we think and believe is really, really squarely tied to our identity. But when you give it up, you open up, you know, the um, opportunity for there to be a new perspective. And then you have to accept that it's going to hurt. Because mm. when you have thought something for a long time, and you might be dead wrong, dead, dead wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you thought you felt something for a long time and someone has opened up for perspective. You have to um, accept that it's going to hurt and you have to accept that it's going to hurt because you might be inadvertently doing things that you don't realize are not okay. But someone has said, you know what, this is not okay because of the experience that I've had. So you've got to accept room there. And then you have to partner with people who care enough that mm-hmm. you will take a couple steps forward. Um, and so there is, there are people, no matter what you say, you can put the truth in front of them written in the Lord's English and they are just not gonna, they're not gonna do anything. Those yeah. aren't the people that you're worried about. Mm-hmm. You don't have to convince anyone to, to, um, to a particular truth because truth is, is, is relative when we're not talking about, um, <laughs> we're not talking about, what is it that they call it? Fake news. We're not talking about it in that case. We're talking about um, truth, you know, can be relative. My truth different from your truth, but still very much true. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is it. You've got to give up the agenda. You accept that it's going to hurt and then partner with someone who cares if you make it to the other side or, you know, that I can tell you my story and I'm comfortable with that and you can hear me and you can see me and I can receive what you're giving and then we can move into the world with different perspectives that now allow us to talk to different groups of people and that is how you know one story connects to another story connects to another story until we just we just get it just Mm. come together yeah yes and I think I feel like that's where we get stuck is is the is the area of it's going to hurt a little. And I think Mm -hmm. that, and like, and being humble enough, Mm -hmm. like you said, to let, to let it go and to be able to be human. We don't like newsflash. We all don't know it. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know everything and it's okay. And we can be wrong. And I think being willing to Mm -hmm. um, enter that space of saying, I might learn something here and it might be different from what I have always thought, mm-hmm. but I'm okay with that. Like getting to that space, I think one is a sign of maturity and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and being willing to go, to go the distance of I'm ready to grow now. I'm ready to, you know, yeah, incorporate other viewpoints and things like that for you know, the betterment of society right? or whatever you want to call it, but it's a hard place to get to, I think for many. It is is a hard place to get to. And I think that's why we keep it, we keep ourselves covered with this lack of forgiveness and um, this feigned sense of lack of awareness. I think we're more aware than what, um, what we want to admit that we are. 
Um, but I can say, as we've talked about um, throughout this call or throughout this interview about getting to our authentic self that we can't even get to that person mm-hmm. if you are unable to admit that you have been wrong in some areas because mm-hmm. none of us are perfect. And until mm-hmm. you're able to admit it and feel it and all of that and, and forgive yourself for it, you can't even get there. Mm-hmm. And so you'll always be covered and you, and you will always truly stay in that place. That growth doesn't even come for you. You're just getting older, but you're not really growing. Mm-hmm. And I think what's also important is, you know, for the therapists out there who have said, you know, when we have done certain actions or have harmed people, and sometimes like I've heard my therapist and my friends, you know, my friends who are therapists say, oh, look at, look at what you were trying to do. And in that particular time with the Mm -hmm. tool you had to try to care for yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, like recognizing that sometimes some of these poor choices we have made or some of the harm that we've caused to people had to do with our own sense of protecting ourselves mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah. But now you're, you know better and now you know right. more and now you have different tools. Like, <laughs> and so I feel like the other thing of adopting is that sense of compassion, you mm-hmm. know, ourselves, like mm-hmm. let's learn how to forgive ourselves and offer ourselves compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then learn how to, by doing that, extend that to other people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. That compassion is, compassion is real. And when we can't get to that, that perfect world that we all dream of without it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the truth. That yeah. is the truth. Okay. So time is, I mean, that just went really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I ask all of my guests, mm-hmm. speaking of story, what mm-hmm. story are you reframing in your life today? Oh, goodness. Um, I am still reframing my healing story. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned, I, um, I moved from Virginia to Charlotte a little over a year ago. Um, 20 boxes of life. I like to say I came to Charlotte with 20 boxes, a dream and a broken heart. I picked mm-hmm. Charlotte on the map. Um, never lived here before. Wow. <laughs> when I was like, I'm just going and this is what we're going to do. Um, and I got here and it, it took about a year for it to start feeling like home. So I am reframing this idea of reinventing myself. I now, um, I have met who I truly am. Um, and I am looking forward to enjoying whatever life, whatever life I have left <laughs> um, with this person that I I've finally have the joy of um, meeting and knowing and loving. That's amazing. Also, again, just reiterating the courage <laughs> and bravery. <laughs> I just feel like that needs to be elevated. <laughs> because it just, you know, that's like, I just think that's wonderful that, I mean, and that's showing, you know, a sense of care and love for yourself to be able to Mm -hmm. be like, this is hard. Mm -hmm. This is going to hurt, but here we go. You know, that's like huge. That's huge. Yeah. So yeah. And tears driving all the way here in tears. Like, what are you doing? But okay. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I just like want to extend like (laughs) a virtual (laughs) hug to you. So how can people find you? And if a person is interested in working with you and what does that look like, the start of that? And if you can tell us some of that. Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn is where I spend most of my time. I know it's a social media network that plenty of you think is boring, but it's the only one I really have time for. (laughs) (laughs) I need, I need to spend more time on LinkedIn is what I've been learning. If you are um, looking to work with me, it's really simple. It's workwithcharise.com. And to work with me, it just depends on what you want to do. I work a lot with people who um, want to do speeches. I do speech writing coaching. I do um, people who just want to know their stories. And usually it starts with a 15 minute to 30 minute consult with me just walking through what you what you want to do. 
But for most of the services, it is my role is to help you get to your authentic self. So mm-hmm. I do spend a lot of time talking to you, digging through your life, figuring out, you know, who you are. So if I need to write brand stories for you, I can really um, encapsulate who you are. Or if I am teaching you how to use your story to uh, create an impactful keynote, I can really um, help you put those stories together where your audience will get something out of it and not just hear how you did this thing. Mm, Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, one last quick question. Okay. We've probably already covered this, but it's good to revisit. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is a common thread as people are getting to their authentic selves that you have seen or heard from them? Um, A common thread is that we're all doing the best that we can and um, no one has it figured out. And um, we all want to be loved. We all want to be happy. And we all want to be seen and heard. Yes. Well, thank you so much for just what you're doing, the witness you are giving other people. And yeah, just everything. Your light is big. So thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. 